it is possible. And I see her really as an inspiration for both of our kids, but certainly for myself that you know, it's never too late to change. There's no problem that's too big to tackle. And with you know a strong commitment to success, you can do anything. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski. So glad you are here listening today and um, coming back and sharing these episodes as well. I am grateful today for my guest who is a you know, I've had a, a mother of a daughter, a couple of mothers of daughters who have struggled with an eating disorder and different addictions. And today I have a husband who's joining me, um, a husband of actually one of my very recent previous guests, uh, Nicole McLeod. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I'll put it in the show notes um, for this episode. But today, Nicole's husband, John, is joining me. And I'm really uh, grateful that you're here today, John, and really excited to have a conversation with you. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Moira, for having me on. I'm excited to be here and um, looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, yes, thank you, and um, I am as well. And you know, just again, a casual conversation to talk about, like as I shared with you before we went live. You know, my reason for starting this podcast was to just share from where I sit um, in my uh, seat of supporting my daughter and her disorder and her issues that she had. I've had one of, I had an eating disorder myself. And so it was, it's been difficult to, to see perhaps things in my past that are repeating myself and my children. Um, It's difficult to watch that, but I don't like to necessarily share my daughter's story. I just want to share my perspective of how that's impacted me, the things that I've learned through that. And so that's what I thought would be interesting, you know, from your perspective to just you know, start from perhaps how you saw things developing or when you, did you see things that were concerning for you with your, from your wife's behavior and different things like that. And, um, you know, how that kind of started when you started to, you know, see things going on that there were concerning for you. Yeah, sure. Well, I would say that, you know, knowing what I know now and looking back, I mean, there were lots of signs and signals and that kind of stuff that I clearly missed. But I would say that, you know, going back to our honeymoon, I probably should have been aware of some issues related to alcohol that she was dealing with, not successfully, but being young and in love and, and maybe not really understanding addictions or abuse or any of that kind of stuff you know, our life just continued to go on. So, you know, we, we went about, you know, having the kids and, you know, the white picket fence and, you know, she was a teacher and extraordinarily good at her craft. And, you know, we had our issues and a lot of it was relating to alcohol and particularly her drinking. I'm not a drinker myself. And, 
you know, that just became over the decade plus time that we were married, it just became a bigger and bigger issue. And again, looking back, I mean, I explained it away several different scenarios. I also, you know, internalized a lot of it as maybe it was my old hang up with, you know, alcohol and issues that I had from the past and all kinds of stuff. So there was a lot of excuses, but uh, there was one particular um, evening where she had drank too much and um, I was downstairs on the couch as I would be, you know, a couple of times a week. And, and because I was, you know, couldn't just stand being around her and, you know, our daughter came downstairs and, 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 you know, this was a preteen girl and, and looked at me and just said, how long are you going to put up with this? You know, like you, this is, you know, this is not right. And that was sobering for me, no pun intended. Um, in the sense that I was, it was a slap in the face. I I needed it. I needed, I needed that, I guess, confirmation. And, and I feel bad that I needed it from our daughter, but she was the one who delivered it. And so that, that morning, uh, you know, I told my wife that it, it had been enough. And, you know, after a very tough conversation and maybe 36 hours, she agreed, you know, went to seek treatment. And in the course of her treatment for her alcohol abuse, that's really where they uncovered this underlying thing that is really the big monster here, which is the eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Even when they, you know, approached her about leaving the alcohol facility treatment facility and not coming home, going directly to TK where she did her eating disorder treatment, she was very reluctant at first and angry and all of those things. But it was a defining moment, I think, in her recovery because it was the first time when the alcohol was stripped away. So there was no more of that buffer that could hide the eating disorder. There was nothing that was masking it. And she really had to, to face it head on. And, and through that process, I think I've looked back and said that, you know, there were a million signs that I missed. There were a million um, times when I should have been a better advocate for, or I should have understood more, or I should have seen the signs, but you know, she was very, very good at hiding her disorders and her addictions, you know, certainly thankful for both treatment facilities for helping her see that there's a better way to life than what she was living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think that, you know, being a married person myself and, you know, somebody that made a commitment many years ago and, you know, they say for better or for worse. And, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. That's like, maybe there's signs that there's things, but you just, you just go on. Right. And, and I, I don't know, I can totally relate to everything you said with like, well, maybe it's my shortcoming or maybe it was my fault or maybe it's not that bad. Or again, when I started to see the signs with my daughter, it was so like, no, that could, <laughs> that couldn't be like, but I, but it, but for me, it was so familiar just the different behaviors and things like that. It was familiar to me. So it caught me off guard, but I didn't really want to believe it. And then it was like, well, I can just help her because I know what to do. And I, you know, and so didn't didn't need any outside help and those type of things. But, you know, I find it interesting too, just as I have a mom of four children and um, I feel like you know, that was one part I wanted to perhaps talk about if you're comfortable with that, just, you know, the impact on your children or, 
you know, I know that things are on a better path now and just how things are with healing and stuff with your children and relationships and stuff like that. I just know that the kids, be it good or bad, they see it all. And I think they sometimes keep things hidden for so long, but sometimes, like you said, they come and they, they call us out or they, they share what they're thinking. And, and even though they might be scared or things like that, I just, that must've been an interesting moment for you when your daughter confronted you, but probably a, a pretty brave moment for her to, to feel brave enough to come down and say something to you. Well, no question. And I think, you know, for the kids, it was the only behavior, they only saw disordered behavior from their mother. You know, they only saw someone who was struggling and someone who was uh, really challenged with day-to-day life because of her, you know, illness. And so, you know, my daughter and my relationship has always been very close, much closer than she was with her mom. And I know that was a big point of contention for certainly my wife, but also my daughter, you know, the girls want their moms and here she is stuck with her dad as her person, you know, and, and still to this day, I mean, I say she's my best friend. I'm very fortunate that, you know, I'm really close with both my wife and my daughter is just really good friends as well as, you know, my family. But I think they saw what they saw was certainly restricting in, in eating like again, the the eating disorders were really masked by the alcohol. So when there was an alcohol involved, there was a lot more restricting behavior with the foods. And I think of like when we would travel, it was never easy to find a location to eat. Um, sometimes, you know, as much as we like it or don't like it, you got to end up at a fast food location when we're off on the road for basketball trips, and you got thirty minutes to eat. And those were never easy. Um, trips. Those were never easy conversations because my wife had restricted what she ate and would obsess about what she didn't eat or when she had to eat so much that it it almost just became ingrained in our day to day life. And and I go back and I think about it, and you know, I always just thought she only liked salads. You know, I always just thought she didn't really have a big appetite. You know, and so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, you now you look at it, it's like, no, this is someone who was struggling so restricting so tightly that's all they ate or that's all they drank or they obsessively exercised and you chalk it up as that but really what it was doing it was covering up all those behaviors so in recovery it's the it's probably my favorite thing is to watch the relationship that has been rebuilt between my daughter and my wife or our daughter and her mom because they, they now are, you know, our best friends and, and they now have this relationship with each other that they didn't have before. And it's really rooted in just pure, raw honesty and understanding that we're, none of us are perfect. And by the grace of God, we're still a family and we're still supportive of each other. And that mom is going to do what she needs to do to be well so that she can be well with us. And that is the best outcome that we could ask for here. And, and she works so hard, Moira, she works so hard every single day on her recovery. And it shows in the relationships that she's been able to rebuild in the connections that she's been able to make in it. And just in her everyday life, she's, she's more giving, she's more supportive. She's more loving. You can tell it's like, she's, enjoying life now, as opposed to just getting through every single day. And 
it's been amazing to see and it's a lot of hard work, but it's possible. It is possible. And I see her really as an inspiration for both of our kids, but certainly for myself that it's never too late to change. There's no problem that's too big to tackle. And with, you know, a strong commitment to success, you can do anything. And and she has really blown us away with um, her commitment to doing whatever she needs to do to be the best wife, mother, person, human that she, that she can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, um, and, and I get it, Um, you know, eating disorders, any other addictions, you know, they take, you know, they, they take that person away from us. They can, because they get trapped in that struggle, attract in that addiction, trapped in that disorder. And it, and it's very, it ends up, you know, like you said, there's, it's secretive. They hide things, they hide themselves. They want to be small. They want to be hidden, that type of thing. And I think it is a beautiful thing. I know it is a beautiful thing. And I love the way you told that story. I know it for myself that, you know, when my daughter again was away, when she was struggling, I just wanted my daughter back. And not, Mm -hmm. I didn't want her disorder back the times that I said, you know what, you're not allowed to come home because you're not well. Um, It was a difficult statement to make, but I didn't, I wanted my daughter, but I didn't want that disorder. I don't want that addiction. I didn't want that in the house anymore. I just wanted my daughter. And when we have somebody, be it your daughter, your wife, your son, your whoever, when they're living committed to recovery, it is a beautiful thing. And it is, is wonderful to have that because I love the fact that my daughter is back, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, she's physically back here, but I see that she's, she's also back. And, um, and again, it's a beautiful, that must be beautiful to watch again, that relationship, because it almost brought me to tears just thinking of, you know, with my own, you know, with my own daughter to have that relationship that we can now, then we're now rebuilding. And like you said, it's about honesty because I was tired of all the secrets. It's nice when there's no more secrets and it's relationships are based on honesty. Yeah. My, my wife always says secrets keep you sick and and she's absolutely right. And, and I, and I, and I would say that, you know, we've been married almost 17 years now and I feel like, you know, the last, you know, well, just shy of two years since she's been in recovery, it's like a whole new relationship. You know, I've, I've, I married this amazing, beautiful woman who was flawed and broken and insecure and hurting and all those kind of things. And now I'm married to that same person, but she is strong and empowered and committed and, and loving. And, and it's, it's the same person, but it's not. And, and to see the joy that she's getting out of life being healed is, is really amazing. And, and you talk about not having that person in your house. I mean, recovery is not perfect, right? We all we all have missteps and, and, and one in particular that I remember is she, you know, she, she was obsessive about weighing herself constantly, always had to weigh herself. And there's not nothing good that comes to that. Who cares what that number is? What does that mean to anything? I mean, it's BS, right? So <laughs> um, at one point in time, yes. At one point in time, the instruction was to remove the scales from the house. You know, originally it was, you could have it twice a week. And, and as you know, you, some of this stuff has to be incremental, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, and then it became, okay, no, we're going to remove it from the house, but because she was, you know, not well physically, there had to be some type of a check on her weight so that we knew that she was actually making progress. So 
you know, I'd weigh her once a week and she'd have to turn around and we'd cover her head and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, here I am thinking, oh, this is great. This is working. She's getting better, all this kind of stuff. Well, little did I know that she actually went out to the store and bought her own scale and was hiding it from me so that she could continue her behaviors of weighing herself and monitoring her own weight. And, and for me, I think it was, it was, it was probably one of the most, I don't know if I would say hurtful, but I was, I was naive in the fact that it would be as easy as I maybe thought it was going to be, but it was, I was also taken aback at the sneaky behavior, I should say, or some of the secretive behavior for this stupid scale. Um, but again, that was one of those things where, you know, it was two or three days, I think after she did it, she came clean to me and admitted it. And which I thought was huge, right? Cause she mm-hmm. was very embarrassed and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, she didn't want to do it. It was, you know, it was the, it was the disorder that was making her do it, you know? So I think having that come out too, and just having that honest conversation and, and for me understanding that it's, it's a lifelong struggle. Um, the eating disorder, particularly it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And, you know, we live in a very, very prevalent diet culture where everything is diet or sugar-free or, you know, everyone's focused on everyone's, you know, appearance and weight and all of that stuff. So it's constantly beat into your head. So it's, you know, like we talk about, it's, she can avoid bars or restaurants or liquor stores or that kind of stuff, right? You can stay away mm-hmm. from alcohol, um, but you got to eat every day. You can't stay away from food, right? So when your disorder is food related, it's something that every day you're fighting with. And, and that's a constant struggle. And, and I know that she's fighting every single day for it and, and ups and downs, but everybody is beautiful. And, and that's really what the path she set out here is that this is, this is real, this is important, and this is a lifelong uh, battle that she's going to be uh, fighting and be very successful with, I believe. Yeah. Like you said, the world and the way that we, we talk to ourselves, we look at each other, the things that we value and Hollywood and all of that stuff, it doesn't, doesn't really, it doesn't uh, work in our favor, if you will. So, or it doesn't help those that are recovering from an eating disorder, but, and it is, it's a day by day, a continual, a continual journey um, that, you know, cause some people, you know, there's this, this um, conversation, this two sides of like, oh, recovery is possible, full recovery is possible, or, or maybe you're just going to, you know, you're going to struggle with it for the rest of your life, but truly believe that, you know, recovery is possible. I know that it is. And it's one of those, I think we all continue to learn as time goes on and things get easier and things get easier. And sometimes they're hard and then they get easier and the easier and stuff like that. So it is a continual, as much as We've talked about that so many times with our daughter, like we wish we could just snap our fingers and it's all over. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. But if the path continues to improve or go up or whatever, you know, visualization you want to use, then that's the, that's the good thing. But knowing that there are going to be those ups and, you know, ups and downs. And I just want to talk to them about that maddening, like that secretive things, like the, like, you know, the scale thing and just the hiding things. It's just... It's just, and I always would tell my kids just on a, you know, mom, kid basis. I'm like, you know what? It's better if you like, tell me, 
you know, about whatever's going on, be it that you broke the table or you drank the beer or whatever. It's better if you tell me like now than like if I find out later, because it's like so maddening when you find out later. And then, you know, it's a similar type of thing with, again, the secretive thing. And, you know, I know that there's people that have bulimia and different type of other disorders and you know, the, I've seen on support groups, like these moms, they find things like bags of vomit and bags of like things that are just hidden. It's just like, oh, it's maddening, you know? Yeah. And, and it's that behavior that someone who necessarily with, with the right mind frame would ever engage in. And I think that's the other mm-hmm. thing too, is, is, you know, is understanding that, that the struggle is real for so many people. And, and also for my own understanding is that I, you know, I had lots of you know, character flaws and shortcomings. And, you know, I, I was broken in a lot of regards too. And, and whether that happened before, after, during, I don't know, but I know that in, in the course of her healing, I've been able to, you know, work really hard on healing myself, which I don't know if I would have had the strength to do had she not set forth on that path on her own. Mm. So, um, you know, I give her a lot of credit for that too. And, and, and I just say, you know, in a, in a world where people are judgy and, 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 you know, really based off of appearance and, and all that kind of stuff. It's not about that. I mean, it's a it really about the, the content of your character and who you are as an individual and, and, you know, whether you weigh 300 pounds or 30 pounds, you know, the point is, is, you know, just be, have a good pure heart. And, 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 and really that's all we want from people um, and it's unfortunate that value is placed on people's physical appearance, certainly based on their weight, right. almost initially. Right. And that's something just as a, as a, as a culture, you know, we do really bad in this country. You know, it's everyone's looking for this perfect, skinny, you know, fit body and stuff like that. And everybody's different. We've all seen the before and after pictures, right? Where someone's mm-hmm. before and then after they're working out. Well, if you check in at the after, after generally they end up back at the before again. And yeah. if you could follow that logic, it's, it's yo-yo, right? And, and everybody's body is different. I know that even in our own children, you know, my daughter's body is different than my son's body. And that's the bodies they're born in. And those bodies are beautiful, regardless mm-hmm. of how much they weigh or how tall they are or not. And, and that's something that we're really trying to instill in our household is that none of that stuff matters. And the comments about people's appearance based on, you know, anything other than what is positive about them is really not helpful. Mm, Right. So, so very true. Yeah. And um, yeah, it is not about the food. It's not about the weight. It's not about the, you know, there's just so much more to people, like you said, and if we can lead with love and um, show other people love, then I think that that's a really great place that we can, you know, all lead from. I was going to ask, like you talked about your own healing and discovery and things like that. Like, did you guys, were you involved in um, any type of family therapy during um, Nicole's treatment? Or did you just seek things out on, did you seek things out on your own for your own therapy? What did that look like? we did family therapy as part of her treatment initially at the alcohol inpatient alcohol treatment facility. So that was, that was part of it. Of course, this is going on at the peak of COVID. So everything mm-hmm. was via zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, admittedly, I was just really angry and hurt and all of those things. And, you know, I think all, all four of us were, but certainly 
those of us at home were feeling a lot of different emotions, but I was not handling things well at the beginning. Um, you know, I thought you could just stop drinking, you know, I just, I just thought, okay, you could, you know, maybe just eat an actual meal, you know, and, and not understanding. So, um, that was something that I know, you know, we had a, we had an extraordinary therapist that, um, was our family therapist that we picked up through her in treatment alcohol facility. And he stayed with us for a year and he was amazing. I mean, he was a godsend and he took a very angry, ill-informed, dare I say, combative client on in me and really, you know, turned me into someone who I see it now. I get it now. And, you know, I'll be forever grateful for him for doing that for us. And, and he was able to have conversations with my wife and I and the kids that were able to, I think, get us all on the same playing field, which then allowed us to kind of get in unison as a team and really attack this thing together. You know, the kids, they saw their own therapists as well. And, you know, I did some Al-Anon groups. Mm -hmm. You know, I did that a couple of times, but I think for me, you know, really just, you know, I, I really dove into my faith and I've been leaning heavy on that, but also really just working on being a better person myself, but just understanding you know, that everyone's struggling with everything, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out here to deal with. So just having compassion and understanding for people struggling is, is really been, been the biggest thing to help us heal. But the therapy was huge. It, it was huge. It was, it was a way for us to speak open and honestly with each other, uh, without fear of retribution, <laughs> you know, and, mm -hmm. and that was, you know, there was sometimes when we would get off our, our calls and, you know, we would need a minute or, or, you know, there would be some other conversations, but they were always rooted in love and rooted in healing. And we've, I mean, we've laid it out there warts and all, you know, I mean, we're putting it out there because that's the only way you can really get, you know, the real healing is just say, look, this is it, be raw, be emotional, be open, and then accept all the love that can come in from it. And, and therapy really, you know, it, it made that possible personally for me in a way that I never thought would be possible. And I know that she gets great benefit from her ongoing therapy, both for her alcohol treatment and for her eating disorder, mm -hmm. you know, shout out to the mental health professionals out there. I mean, just really fighting the good yeah. fight. Oh yeah. I mean, they, I would always say to the therapist in the treatment facilities with my daughter, I go, you're going to like get an extra crown or two, like when you get to heaven, because you know, they don't, their work that they do is, um, is just very incredible work that they do. Um, I agree with you. We had, I mean, family therapy can be so helpful. We were so grateful that this last stay for our daughter, she got hooked up with a therapist who my husband would say the same thing. She was a gift from God and she was incredible. But I, what I love about family therapy is like what you spoke to is it gives there's a neutral, you know, there's a neutral third party there that can help to navigate the way through those conversations and have and come come to that table so that the struggling person can explain, but also the other, you know, the other people, the kids, the husband, the spouse, or whatever, can also explain from their point of view, like how they're feeling. And like how that sounds to them when that person, when the daughter says this or the wife says this and just gives them, gives you that a safe space. And um, that was, 
this was the first time in seven years that we had ever had that great, I mean, that therapy that, and even so what I thought was cool about ours is that uh, she got my husband and I on the phone or Zoom or whatever we were doing, you know, um, a few times before our daughter even came in so that she could understand the dynamic of us as parents of her and us as the mom and the dad and the wife and the husband just to get our perspective so that she could use that, if you will, use that knowledge to help, you know, with our daughter, but then it helped as she brought her in our daughter in, then we, and then we brought the siblings in. And so it, it was hugely impactful. I can't say enough about family therapy. I had plenty of people say, have you done any family therapy? And I'm like, no, we haven't really found the good one. And um, we found a good one. And it sounds like you did you did too. And, um, and I also would like to give light to like, we all need, I think we all need our own therapy. I'm, I commend you for having your kids in therapy too, because we just all need a place that we can go and process what we're doing, be it a regular therapist or a spirituality group or your religious group or whatever, a place to go, or like the 12 step programs. I've been to plenty of those, a place that you can go, just feel like you're heard. And that you can help, somebody can help you process what you're feeling through all of this. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's just, it's cathartic just to get the words out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just to really express, you know, kind of what you're feeling. And and I did not understand certain things, you know, that would maybe trigger her, upset her. And and much like she didn't understand for me. And and that that stuff came out at therapy, you know, and, and we talk about she, she was in uh, at TK for, I think 43 days or something. And, and, you know, that's, so let's say six weeks, those six weeks for those people there, they're just six weeks out of the 52 weeks in the year, but those six weeks built or helped this woman build her life back, or at least Mm -hmm. build the foundation of getting her life back. And so while it was six weeks for them, it was a lifetime that it saved us from, and Mm -hmm. also is breaking the curse. This, right. The alcohol, the eating disorder, this stops here. This is not going to go on our family line. This is not something that um, knock on wood is going to be passed on to our children or passed on to their children. You know, the disordered thinking or or maybe, um, you know, pig-headed thought process that I even had, this is something that's going to stop. It's It stops here and it stops mm-hmm. with my wife and I. And, and there's power in that saying, no, you know, no more of the BS. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to live with all those distractions and any that kind of stuff. And we're going to just, you know, speak truth with a pure heart. And that's how we're going to live. And and all that stuff is, you know, built out of the healing that's really been guided by, you know, the therapy. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've said many times on this podcast is that we do have this have this opportunity to break those generational patterns that have happened mm-hmm. year after year after year, be it with eating or way that we talk to other people or whatever it is, when we choose to step into this space of healing, we, it's a wonderful opportunity that we get to, I mean, we can talk about the past, we can learn from the past, but I think it's a wonderful place when we step in. And like you said, it stops here. And so you can stop that for the generations to come. So I commend you for that and kudos for you, for, you know, all of you guys for, for taking that stand for yourself, but also for those who are going to come after. Yeah. And what I, what I say, sometimes I say, I feel like we have the keys now. Like, I feel like we have, Mm. we're in control of this thing now. 
And, and before it felt like we were just, you know, passengers. Um, mm-hmm. And, and there's, there's huge power in that when she, you know, initially started her recovery, it was something that she wasn't open and honest about. I mean, she wasn't open about, she kept it to herself. You know, she was recovering quietly as, as she would say. And, and at some point in time, and I don't know if it was, you know, maybe the six month mark or something like that, but she kind of flipped and she started, as she says, recovering out loud. And Mm -hmm. that has been so impactful because now she can, you know, she could speak about her recovery empowered. She can, she could take pride. I mean, I am proud of my wife who is a recovering alcoholic. I am proud of my wife who is struggling with an eating disorder. I, I am proud of the, the, the strength that she shows to get through every single day. And mm-hmm. having those keys, as we say, gives you insight into seeing other people that may be struggling with things. And, and I've been able to reach out to friends that, you know, in a, in, in a, in a manly way, so to speak, you know, guy to guy and just be like, look, you know, may, maybe I see this or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there, you know, you could, you could do this a little bit differently, or maybe, you know, just take a step back. This is maybe this is the way they're hearing it. And, and that is, is very empowering. And, and also it's, it's beneficial to, to, to let people know where things can go and, and, and where the recovery is. And, and my wife's been very active on her Instagram page, um, sharing tidbits of recovery, but also sharing struggles and honesty. And, and there's, there's been so many people that you would not think, which is kind of a funny statement, but you wouldn't think necessarily would be struggling. Right. But what does that person look like? What does that person, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. We're all struggling with something. Right. But people that have connected with her through this, you know, social media that, you know, are people that have been my people my whole life, you know, friends that I've had since, since childhood that are, that are reading what she's saying and, and watching her recovery and sharing the strength that they're getting from that, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, so it's the fact that she is recovering out loud now, as opposed to in quiet, quiet, I mean, secrets keep people sick and she's not mm-hmm. keeping secrets anymore. She's speaking loud and it's, it's really impacted, I think more people than we'll ever know. And, and it's just, yeah. it's such a blessing and, and her strength to do that every single day is admirable. And I'm just, I'm just in awe, you know, with her and, and what she's accomplished and what she continues to, to accomplish. And, and like I said, it's every day is a a battle, uh, but it's a battle every day that she chooses to win. And, and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I just, I love her for it so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you know, they say that when you continue to tell your story um, I mean, I've heard it from Chris Heron. If you know him, he was a, pro basketball player and got messed up with drugs. And he came to our high school. He goes around and talks to, um, to high school kids and, uh, and to others. And he said that he said, you know, I continue to tell my story because it is part of my recovery. It's part of keeping me on that path. When I like, like Nicole, she's living her recovery out loud. You know, when you do that, it's part of your keeping yourself on that, you know, good, good road. It's all really good. I know that one of the things that I wanted to bring up to you and ask you, um, cause I really learned this. I thought I knew about boundaries and things like that. And I have learned so much about different, just so, so many different things about boundaries for myself, what's acceptable in our house, 
those type of things, you know, what I'll accept or, you know, again, boundaries is a way that we show other people how to treat us. Have you, what would you say about boundaries? Have you learned different things about boundaries or have things changed in your house in regards to that um, or in your relationship? Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I think one of the things that I identified in my own self is that I'm very codependent or I was very codependent. And I, I yeah, I see you raising your hand. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and that was interesting because when we first started therapy, you know, I think my or our therapist probably identified that right away. I mean, I probably had a big giant red nose on of, of mm-hmm. uh, codependence. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, re- I vividly remember my first reaction was, is, you know, I've read up about codependence and, and I'm not codependent. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, you know, if I were being honest, I mean, I'm a gold medal world class Olympic winner codependent. Um, so I think just kind of understanding that and and one of the things that you know, from, from a boundaries perspective is sometimes I'll slip into that behavior. or Sometimes I'll have a, a codependent comment or thought or something like that. And, and in my mind's eye, I just want everyone to be happy and good and healthy and all that kind of stuff. But really I'm, you know, I'm basing my own happiness and healthiness off of someone else. And that's obviously not appropriate. So, you know, my wife will tell me, you got to stop. You're, you're being codependent right now. And, you know, this is the person who is in treatment, who's telling the person who's air quotes, not in treatment that you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're just, you're displaying disordered behavior. So I think just really just the honesty is, you know, and if, if she's struggling with something or if she needs a moment, she takes it. She's very prideful or very, you know, she's very intentional about her morning prayers and her readings and, you know, her routines when it comes to the things that she needs to do for her own mental health and, and just attacking every day positively. And so, you know, we give her the time to do that. And we understand that when she's ready, she comes out and she attacks the day with us. And, and, and really that's for us, it's just about being open and honest and understanding, you know, what we can do and what we can't do and, and working together on the things that, you know, our shortcomings of our own that we can lift each other up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does, you said, get back to that understanding and understanding. I think there's that, that book, you know, uh, seven habits of highly effective people, you know, seek first to understand. So if we can understand what the other person's perhaps going through, then we can, I think, be less judgmental and, you know, stay in our own lane and those kind of things. So, yeah. And to, and to that point, I don't, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I don't, you know, I mean, still to this day, I don't understand the eating disorder. You know what I mean? Like I get, yeah. she has it. I know it's a real thing, but I don't understand it. I don't, you know, I, my wife's physical appearance is the last thing that I'm concerned about her weights or what, whether her jeans feel snug on her, I could care less, you know? And, and, and so I, I would say that I don't necessarily understand it as much as I recognize that it's something she struggles with, you know, and it's not for me to even understand. It's just for me to make sure that I'm being as supportive um, and as helpful as I can be from my perspective, you know, but, you know, I, and I, I say that to her, honestly, I mean, some of the stuff I just, I don't get, it doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense, but where before I would, you know, I would say, I don't get, it doesn't make sense. You know, now it's like, look, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense, which sounds much different in the inflection is, but what can I do to help support you? Or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, 
I don't say, Hey, you look great. You know, your, your, your energy is great today. Or, you know, I really love that color on you or something like that. There's ways that you can even deliver compliments that could be hurtful to someone who's struggling, you know, so just really getting the, the correct verbiage and, and, and thought process across is really important. Um, because it's, I mean, it's a tough thing to understand. It's a, it's a really, and having an eating disorder is, um, it's gotta be one of the worst because it's something that, you know, it's, it, it doesn't seem like it should be as, as debilitating as it actually is. And it's, it's, you need to eat to live. So if people struggle to eat, that's living is almost secondary and that's, it's unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like something that, I mean, I know I went through one myself in college, but still that was a long, long time ago. And when you watch others, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know, when you think that you got to figure it out, then there's something else. So it is, um, we don't necessarily have to understand it, but like you said, understanding how to support them is super, is super important. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. Right. Well, as we wrap this time up, um, again, I so appreciate uh, your perspective and your time with me today. Um, it's just really good to hear other people's points of view and, um, again, how they're working through things and supporting those that are struggling. And as I said, you know, sharing stories, I think the more that we can share with other people, we can provide that hope to others that there's again, there's a better way that there is recovery, there is love, there is a place of healed relationships and, um, you know, again, living together in, um, in love and, and recovery. So I appreciate this. As I say to all my guests, any last words that you'd like to leave um, our listeners with just, you know, as we finish up today? I, I would just, you know, I would just say love each other, love yourself. You know, I mean, that's, I think really, what I want to try to get across is, you know, I, I am merely a spouse of uh, an amazing woman who is, you know, struggling every day to be well and fight for her family. And and I'm very thankful to be standing right next to her fighting with her. And I just ask that everyone understands that, you know, it's, it's easier to be nice than it is to be mean. It's easier to be kind than it is to be rude and, and just, you know, love one another is really the most important thing. And, and I appreciate you, you know, allowing, you know, these words and these conversations to get out there because, you know, as I tell my wife all the time, you may not reach everyone, but if you reach one person, if you change one life, even if you improve someone's life in, in a very small way, just by sharing your story, then it's all worth it. And I know mm-hmm. that, you know, she has struggled for the better part of her life, but in this very, you know, short, but feels like long period of her recovery. She has done so good, so much good for the world, but she has saved our family. And, and, and really that's all possible, no matter how deep the struggles are, you know, there's hope there's healing and, um, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, would say, obviously she had an impact because again, she was at, my daughter was at TK a short period of time. Your wife was there a short period of time as your wife so nicely said on her interview, you know, my daughter had an impact on your wife, but your wife had an impact on my daughter to the point that she came into my office and said, you know, there's this 
lady mom, you might want to contact her because I think she'd be a good guest on your podcast. So it's all good that we can, uh, that we got connected. And I love that we're able to share these stories. And uh, again, thanks for your time today, John. I really do appreciate it. And I just, again, I love to hear these stories of, um, again, I know the the road's not always easy, but I love that you're supporting your wife and that your family's on that path to healing um, as your wife continues to recover too. So thanks for joining me today. Um, again, thanks listeners. Please do share these episodes because uh, again, we know that, and I say the same thing. I don't know how many lives and I'm not saying I got to help all these people, but if I can help one or two people by sharing these stories, then it makes all our efforts worth it. So again, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know, as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.